0: Today is May 11th. In 1934, a massive storm sent millions of tons of topsoil flying across the parched Great Plains region of the United States as far east as New York, Boston, and Atlanta. At the time, the Great Plains were settled in the middle 1800s. The land was covered in prairie grass, which held moisture in the earth and kept most of the soil from blowing away even during dry spells. But the early 20th century, however, farmers had plowed under much of the grass to create fields. The U.S. entry into World War I in 1917 caused a great need for wheat and farms began to push their fields to the limit, plowing under more and more grassland with a newly invented tractor. The plowing continued after the war when the introduction of even more powerful gasoline tractors sped up the process. During the 1920s, wheat production increased by 300%, causing a glut in the market by 1931. That year, a severe drought spread across the region. As crops dried, wind began to carry dust from the overplowed and overgrazed lands. The number of dust storms reported jumped from 14 in 1932 to 28 in 1933. The following year, the storms decreased in frequency but increased in intensity, culminating in the most severe storm yet in May of 1934. Over a period of two days, high-level winds caught and carried some 350 million tons of silt all the way from the Great Northern Plains to the eastern seaboard. According to the New York Times, dust lodged itself in the eyes and throats of weeping and coughing New Yorkers and even ships some 300 miles offshore saw dust collect on their decks. The dust storm forced thousands of families from Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas, and New Mexico to uproot and migrate to California where they're divisively known as Okies no matter which state they came from. These transplants found life out West not much easier than what they had left as hard work or as work was scarce and pay meager during the w- most worst years of the Great Depression. Another massive storm on April 15, 1935, known as Black Sunday, brought even more attention to the desperate situation in the Great Plains region, which reporter Robert Geiger called the Dust Bowl. That year, as part of its New Deal program, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's administration began to enforce federal regulation of farming methods, including crop rotation, grass seeding, and new plowing methods. This worked to a point, reducing dust storms by up to 65%, but only the end of the drought in the fall of 1939 would truly bring relief. The Daily Sketch newspaper, which was founded in 1909, has been published for the last time. Enclosed in today's souvenir issue was a copy of its sister paper, The Daily Mail, to which owners Harmsmouth Publications hope former sketch readers will now switch. However, production of the last copies of the sketch was held up by an industrial dispute over manning of the printing presses. At its peak, The Daily Sketch received a circulation of 1.3 million copies a day, but in recent years, readership of the paper has been in decline. The sketch's fate was sealed two months ago when Harmsworth Publications announced plans to shut down the paper. Although the exact date was closely guarded secret until recently, the closure has resulted in more than 800 people being made redundant. They are now among 1,700 being laid off by the Associated Newspapers, Harmsworth Parent Company. But the former editor of the sketch, David English, remains with the company. He was appointed the director of Daily Mail after Sketch's closure was announced. Associated Newspapers is now pinning its hopes on the revamped Daily Mail capturing Sketch's market. Earlier this month, the mail was transformed from the broadsheet into a tabloid and has been taken on many of Sketch's features such as the Peanuts cartoon strip. The new mail's success is even more crucial for Harmsworth's survival given it publishes the loss-making evening news. The mail's main competitor for Sketch's readers is widely regarded to be the Daily Express. The Express's new editor, Ian McCall, is expected to take the paper further to the right and thus encroach on ground traditionally occupied by the mail. The latest developments are another twist in the ongoing battle of the tabloids, which began when Rupert Murdoch took over the Sun two years ago. And finally, in 1997, an IBM computer called IBM Deep Blue beat the world chess champion after a six-game match. Two wins for IBM, one for the champion, and three draws. The match left to several days and received massive media coverage around the world. It was the classic plotline of man versus machine. Behind the contest, however, was an important computer science pushing forward the ability of computers to handle the kinds of complex calculations needed to help discover new medical drugs, do the broad financial modeling needed to identify trends, and do risk analysis, handle large database searches, and perform massive calculations needed in many fields of science. Since the emergence of artificial intelligence in the first computers in the late 1940s, computer scientists compared the performance of these giant brains with human minds and gravitated to chess as a way of testing the calculating capabilities of computers. The game is a collection of challenging problems for minds and machines and has simple rules, so it is perfect for such experiments. Over the years, many computers took on many chess masters and the computers lost. IBM computer scientists have been interested in chess computing since the early 1950s. In 1985, a graduate student at Carnegie Mellon University, Feng Qing Su, began working on his dissertation project, a chess-playing machine he called Chip Test. A classmate of his, Murray Campbell, worked on the project too, and in 1989, both were hired to work at IBM. There, they continued their work with the help of other computer scientists. The team was named Deep Blue the human chess champion won in 1996 against earlier versions of deep blue the 1997 match was billed as a rematch the champion and computer met at the equitable center new york with cameras running press in attendance and millions watching the outcome the odds of deep blue winning were not certain but science was solid the ibmers knew their machine could explore up to 200 million possible chess positions per second the chess grandmaster won the first game deep blue took the next one and the two players drew the three following games Game 6 ended the match with a crushing defeat of the champion by Deep Blue. The match's outcome made headlines worldwide and helped broad audience better understand high-powered computing. The 1997 match took place not on a standard stage but rather in a small television studio. The audience watched the match on television screens in a basement theater in the building, several floors below where the match was being held. The theater seated about 500 people and sold out for each of the 6 games. The media attention given to Deep Blue resulted in more than 3 billion impressions around the world. Deep Blue had an impact on computing in many different industries. It was programmed to solve the complex strategic game of chess, so it enabled researchers to explore and understand the limits of massively parallel processing. This research gave developers insight into ways they could design a computer to tackle complex problems in other fields, using deep knowledge to analyze a higher number of possible solutions. The architecture used in Deep Blue was applied to financial modeling, including marketplace trends and risk analysis data mining, uncovering hidden relationships and patterns in huge databases, and molecular dynamics, a valuable tool for helping to discover and develop new drugs. Uh, Ultimately, Deep Blue was retired to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., but IBM went on to build new kinds of massively parallel computers, such as IBM Blue Gene. The Deep Blue project inspired a more recent grand challenge at IBM, building a computer that could beat the champions at more complicated game, Jeopardy. Over three nights in February of 2011, this machine, named Watson, took on two of the all-time most successful human players of the game and beat them in front of millions of television viewers. The technology in Watson was a substantial step forward from Deep Blue and earlier machines because it had software that could process and reason about natural language, then rely on the massive supply of information poured into it from the months before the competition. Watson demonstrated that a whole new generation of human-machine interactions will be possible. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. The PeopleHistory.com 1934 Dust Storm 1500 Miles Long at History.com The Daily Sketch Closes at News.bbc.co.uk and The Deep Blue